You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. All right, back to the show indeed. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm your host. And this is uh, uh, always uh, an enjoyable couple of hours for me. Father Logan Obergay, which is joining me, as well as Karen Selinsky. And um, we have a, a great show. Hope you had a good Fourth of July uh, holiday weekend as we move into the dog days of summer. And I hope that you all have, um, uh, uh, f- for lack of a better word, an awareness uh, to seize the day. I'm taking my staff to the Larks baseball game here in Bismarck on Friday. So get out and do get out and do what you need to do. Um, so, because summer is, summer is passing and, um, don't forget to go to mass somewhere. Remember, we're not employees who punch in and punch out. We're servants. Uh, so we don't take summers off of our faith or inspiration as difficult as that can be. You can be moving around. Is Steve Ray on the line? Good morning, Steve. I am Monsignor Schumacher. Steve, How are you? Steve, today? my good friend Steve Ray in the house. What's going on? Well, good, this is the busiest year we've ever had, I think, and uh, glad I can join you again. We haven't talked for a long time. We haven't spoken for a while, and I, I'm sorry about that. We're gonna we're gonna get to our work here in a, just in a little bit, so that we can still write this off with the government. But first of all, you were you were moving uh, the last time I visited with you, and are you, are you all settled now? And where are you? Well, we rented a house in uh, Canton, Michigan, where we're renting until we just bought a house nearby and we're remodeling it and we'll move in around the first of the year so we're settled into a rental house comfortable and uh, grandbaby number 20 is on the way wow are you still um shooting things you were you you had a woodchuck problem the last uh... <laughs> are you are you, uh... and skunks. <laughs> are, are you are you are you are you still under duress in this new area or are you better where we lived before was in the country, so I could shoot my guns. But out here, we're living in a subdivision for a year, okay. and it's much more restricted. But I do have an air rifle, and I do use it periodically. It doesn't make a big bang; it just goes pop. I, I found a I found a, a tick uh, this morning uh, in my in my rectory, my where I live, and oh. it, it was it was dying. Which meant that it, my dog was the carrier. So I, you know, we treat our dogs with front line. The tick bites the dog, uh, the tick will die. So this tick was dying, but still, I am, I'm sure there's uh, since that time, which has been two hours ago, I'm, I'm sure there's one on me. I would, Steve, I would rather walk in tall grass with snakes than 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 deal with a tick. <laughs> Oh, I would. Be, there it is, don't scare me at all. But I don't are you? Like are that. you? You're, are you the same way, Karen? <laughs> I know. It's just that feeling. Oh. <laughs> I I once uh, two years ago. Um, I there was one in in my bed, and you know, oh. uh, Romeo sleeps with me. So, and then I virtually have to burn the bedding. <laughs> sure, that there's more in there. I, I, I cannot I cannot stand a wood tick. I don't know what our Lord's plan was. I don't I don't like I don't like anything crawling in me without my awareness of it. That's why I'll take a snake I any don't day. Blame you at all. I'll take a woodchuck I, any I day. 
Um, None of those things bother me. Hey, let's talk about your schedule. First of all, you're going to be in Rochester on on December 6th, right? Yes, I just actually am just purchasing the airline tickets for that today. I'm catching up on all my flights. I have so many things, Martina, coming up this year. I guess it's uh, Uh, a little overwhelming. You might you might be with Bishop Robert Barron there at at the December sixth date in in Rochester. That's that's going to be a good fundraising event. I I was happy to introduce you last year at our event. Where else are you traveling? Oh my goodness, South Carolina, Oregon, Arizona. Uh, we've got still five international pilgrimage trips going, Jordan and Israel, St. Paul wow. Cruise, two regular Israel trips. Um, we're doing a, a pilgrimage through Wisconsin uh, next week, and I have my own conference I'm putting on called Love Being Catholic, and we're putting that on in La Crosse. And I have um, uh, Father Don Calloway and Father Chris Alar coming to speak with me on that conference. I go into Buffalo, New York. I, 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 it would take the whole show if I went through the list of all the places I'm speaking I'm getting, here and traveling. I'm feeling rummy just listening to it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I get tired. I, I'm, bringing in, I'm bringing in a Jesuit by the name of Father Scott Broder to Bismarck. Uh, he's a, a, a Pauline uh, expert. He does uh, a Pauline trips as well. Do you know him, Scott Broder? No, I don't. I haven't heard of him. He he does some trips as well. And and um, where where do you go for your Pauline tours? Well, the one we do is on a cruise. It's on a ship, and it leaves Athens. So, but we hit ten biblical sites. We hit Athens, Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Neapolis. Then we go across out of Greece to Istanbul, then Pergamum from Revelation chapter two, and uh, Ephesus. And then we cross over to the island of Patmos, where John saw the Revelation and saw Mary as the Queen of Heaven, and then a couple other islands and back to Athens. So that's our St. Paul cruise we do every two years. There's still seats left, by the way. It's open for October. And we hit 10 biblical sites, and it is a fantastic trip. It's probably, boy, it's one of my favorites. I, I love to travel with you. How do people get, get a hold of your uh, availability on your tours? CatholicConvert.com, and at the top there's a big banner. Just click on that to the pilgrimage, and it'll take you to my pilgrimage site called Footprints of God. But the fastest way is just to go. Everything is at CatholicConvert.com. Steve Ray is my guest, and uh, he he always uh, delivers. Uh, we're, we're, let's uh, talk a little bit our, about our work today. We you, you, you've written a book on on Genesis. Uh, there, there's not a lot of well, interest in genesis out there i don't i've I've never heard of anybody asking me about a you know how do i learn more about genesis it's but but it's 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 out there in in your mind Uh, again why did you write this book it's we're editing it right now it'll be published next year finally it's going to be 550 pages long um the reason why monsignor is because the word genesis means beginning it is the beginning of everything the Catholic Church is all rooted in Genesis. Everything that we do as Catholics is rooted in Genesis and the Old Testament. Without Genesis, we're blindsided. We don't know where we are, who we came, where we came from. It, it, it really is the beginning of everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it all starts there. If we don't understand Genesis, 
How can we understand who we are as human beings, where we came from, what God's plan is? Why does pain and illness and sickness all came because of sin? Where did that start? Genesis chapter 3. If we don't know these things about Genesis, we're clueless about the world around us today and the church. I don't start uh, files on many of my guests. I've started one on you because I always learn from you. And I pulled this morning from our February 10th interview um, where the first time pray and heal are said in the Bible together are in the 20th chapter of Genesis. Uh, but today, yes. w- today we're going to push, uh, I-, I think, to the, to the 22nd chapter or what will pertain to your fourth part Uh, of your study of the book of Genesis, the binding of Isaac. If I'm correct on that, uh, uh, let's begin that that topic, part four. Yes, um, we've covered the introduction, and we've covered um, the whole beginning with the flood and the fall of that man and all that. And we went through the life of Abraham, the beginning, how God called him. But now we're coming to the pinnacle of the book of Genesis. This is like, if you're climbing up a mountain, this is the pinnacle, and after this we start going back down. Because this is where God has chosen a man named Abram, who he later called Abraham. He gave him a new title, a new office, a new calling, a new uh, importance. And he made this man kind of the foundation of everything. Even St. Paul and us, we call Abraham the father of faith. He is our father of faith. We look to him as the source. He becomes the foundation. God says, I need a man to start. I'm going to build on this guy. And he starts with Abraham. And then he tests Abraham to make sure that he's the kind of guy he really wants. And in this chapter, chapter 22, is the pinnacle where he gives Abraham a final test. And after that, he never tests Abraham again. Abraham is free to go. But God, is up until this point, is preparing Abraham, and Isaac is his son, probably around 15 years old, and the Christians, we call this the sacrifice of Isaac. But it really isn't, because he doesn't sacrifice him. He intends to, but he only binds him for the sacrifice. And that's what the Jews call it, the binding of Isaac, and that's what we'll talk about today. Uh, this this is, uh, you, you talked about the trials. Is, is this the tenth and final trial that he has to endure? I haven't counted, actually. That's a good point. But he, he told him to leave his land, and he had to leave his ancestors, and that was like 1,600 miles, and he didn't know where he was going. That was a big trial test. And then when he gets there, there's a famine, and he has to go down to Egypt. That's a big test. And it just goes on and on with this poor guy. 25 years he's there. God says, I'm going to give you the land, and I'm going to give you a son. Well, 25 years later, he doesn't have either one. So this guy had a many tests. And now, God, oh, I think another test, Monsignor, is when he said, okay, Abraham, you're 99 years old now, and you've got 318 men working for you, and I want you, I'm going to give you a sign of the covenant. And, and Abraham says, well, good, I'm finally going to get something good out of this deal, a sign of the covenant. And then God says, uh, you're going to need to uh, circumcise yourself with a flint knife. Not, not like we would do it today with stainless steel and antiseptic. And this is with a flint knife, a stone. You're going to have to circumcise yourself on your 318 men. So in the morning, Abraham calls his guys and he says, do you want the good news or the bad news first? The good news is God's given us a covenant and a sign of the covenant. The bad news is you're all going to have to line up here, and the flint knife is going to be all covered with blood by the time we're done. Now, if that's not a trial, I don't know what is. 
Uh, before we uh, take our break, Mark, I may push this a minute or two if I can. Before we take our break, Steve, uh, uh, quickly just summarize this story uh, of, of Abraham's sacrifice of his son. What, what, how how okay. does it play out? And what are we supposed to take away from it? Briefly, and then after our break, uh, we'll play more on it. 30 seconds. Okay. okay. God has Abraham. He's finally given him his only, his only son whom he loves. He's probably 15 years old now, the son. Abraham's about 115. He, God then says, out of the blue, take your son, your only son whom you love, and offer him as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. Go three days to Mount Moriah. Abraham takes his son there and is prepared to offer him as a sacrifice and kill him in front of God and offer him as a sacrifice. God relents at the last moment. There's a ram who is a substitute for Isaac, and then they go home. That's the 32nd version. And what do we take away from it? Why would God do that? Well, that is a whole story that we're going to have to get to when we come back, but I think that was a final test. See, Abraham came from what's Iraq of today, called Mesopotamia, back in the biblical time. And they had human sacrifices back then. And Abraham lived and served pagan gods. He didn't serve the god of... of he, he was a pagan idol worshiper until he was 75 years old. And they had human sacrifice. And I think God was testing him to say, are you really switched from Nana, the god of the moon, to me? Are you willing to do for me what you would have done for your god back in Mesopotamia? And I'm going to test you because also someday God is going to give his only begotten son at the very same place. So there's a big typological picture going on, too, that we'll have to talk about. All right. Steve Ray is my guest. What's the name of your book, by the way? I don't know the title yet, but I know Genesis will be in it. He's written a book. Um, it's coming to completion, 550 pages, not titled yet, uh, but we've been talking about it, and it's a good one. Steve Ray, hold on after the break, and we'll get to more details as we continue our Real Presence Live show, coming to you live from the Diocese of Bismarck. We'll be back in just one moment. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. 
Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. All right, uh, Steve Ray is with me, uh, with us here in the Upper Midwest RPR radio listening area. And thank you for your support, by the way, of RPR. We are completely listener-supported, and we want to thank you for your support uh, because this is... um, this is a, a tool of our Lord that continues to open doors of souls uh, according to his will. And Steve Ray is always in, inspiring. And Steve, uh, off the air, we were speaking briefly about uh, what, what's changed uh, in, in, in the world uh, since we, we spoke last. One of them is, is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And you, you mentioned uh, David and Stones. I, I, I think that's very interesting. <laughs> How do we go from Roe versus Wade to King David, the shepherd boy, getting stoned? Well, the way I view it, Monsignor, is what I I mentioned is um, we were like David, the pro-life movement. We had the Supreme Court ruling against us, which was the law of the land. And there's every time we tried to fight, it's just that law of the land whacked us down because of Roe versus Wade. But now that is gone. And now the battle goes to the state. And And they now... Like you said earlier, they now have to convince the American people that abortion is a good thing. Killing babies is a good thing. And when you do deal with the Democrats and the left, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. We, they said, okay, you can have abortion for uh, rape and incense and so on. And now they push it all the way up to when the baby's being born, you can kill it. They never stop. They're never happy. they got to push it. So now they have to sell this to the public. But here's what we were talking about, Stones. When David went to the brook to fight Goliath, and he picked five stones up, but there was only one giant. So did he think he was going to miss on the first shot, and he had four extra stones in case he missed? No, I think David knew he was going to kill Goliath with the first stone. But David also knew that Goliath had four brothers, and those other four stones were for the four brothers of Goliath, is the way I think about it. Now, we, we're the David, us pro-life movement, we're the David, and we killed Goliath when we had Roe versus Wade overturned. We killed that giant. But now we're going to have to use those other four stones because now the battle isn't over yet. There are still 50 state legislatures. And now we pick up those other four stones and we kill Goliath's brothers. We have to go out and fight that battle at the state level now. The pro-abortion movement has to begin to legislate. Uh, for 50 years, they've hidden behind the judiciary. They, they can't hide behind the judiciary anymore. And the first uh, step to legislate is to, quote, sell your product. Now they have to, now they have to sell abortion to states. And, you know, I, yes. I, heard, I heard a commentator say uh, just yesterday, nobody wants to live in a state where there's no abortion. And I'm thinking to myself, my, my brother lives in a county in Texas 
where you can't buy a beer. I mean, how many, how many, abor- how many abortions do people need to buy? She, she said people are not going to want to live in a, in a state where there's no abortions. Honestly, my brother, well, lives a, my brother lives in a dry county because he likes the housing. I mean, it, it, doesn't make, it, it doesn't follow. It's a non sequitur. And this lady is so deluded. She's, in, she's ignorant of what she says because even since Roe versus Wade has been overturned, the whole American public is shifting pro-life. Seventy-five percent now say that no baby should be aborted after, say, twelve weeks. Okay, well, we're all against that too. But to say, but to see the huge shift, because in America we have the attitude that if it's legal, it's also moral, and that's not always the case. So people say, well, since uh, abortion is legal, then it must be moral. And when Roe versus Wade was overturned, we're now saying it's no longer legal. Now the whole shift is people are beginning to think, well, then it must not be moral. And the whole movement is in our favor. And these people who want to promote abortion, they're nasty, angry people. They're not the kind of people that appeal to Congress and voters. They're the nasty kind of people. And they are going to go out and push this thing, and they're not going to be very good at selling it. And people are not going to want babies being killed on their streets. So we're going to win this battle in the long run, in most of the states anyway. Now, they will also say uh, uh, God directed Abraham to kill his son, Isaac. So, well, God, so, to, yes, so, so ba- ba- back, to our, back to our topic. Uh, why, why would God yeah. do that? God didn't intend Abraham to kill his son. That's what I'm, I'm convinced of. And in my book, I have a lot of pages on that. Abraham knew he wasn't going to have to kill his son, and God knew that he wasn't going to actually go through with it. It was a test to see what Abraham would do, because God, he said he provided a substitute for Abraham at the last minute. And Abraham, when he went there, he said to the men who were with him, he said, you two guys stay here. My son and I will go up and sacrifice to God, and we will return to you, meaning Isaac and I will return to you. And when Isaac said, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? We don't have an animal to sacrifice. Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice, my son, meaning that he knew God was going to provide it. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says that Abraham had so much faith in God that he believe that even if he did kill his son, that God would raise him from the dead again. And God had no intention of killing that son. It was the son of promise. It was simply a test to see what Abraham would do if he was really... And we got to face it. We live in a totally different culture today than they lived in back then. Human sacrifice was common back then. It It was just part of life. And Abraham lived in a culture that had human sacrifice. And so this was nothing unusual in those days. And when God, I think, was saying, are you willing to do for me? Are you really loyal to me to the degree that you were loyal to Nana, the god of the moon, back in Ur in Mesopotamia? Uh, Where where is uh, Mount Moriah? Mount Moriah is very interesting because when in the book of Chronicles it says Solomon built his temple on Mount Moriah. That's two thousand. That's a uh, yeah, two thousand years later. So you have God telling Abraham, "Take your son to Mount Moriah and offer him there on the top of that mountain as a sacrifice." Well, Abraham had no idea why he had to walk three days from Beersheba through Hebron and Bethlehem, Jerusalem, up to that mountain, but. 
Mount Moriah is where Solomon built the temple on the top of Jerusalem. And then the reason that that's important, because 2,000 years later again, after David, it says that God had, he said, uh, God takes his only begotten son to offer him where? On the top of Mount Moriah, on the top of Jerusalem. So what we see is that God the Father has his only begotten son. It sounds like John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love. So Abraham is a picture of a father with his only begotten son going to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice because 2,000 years later there's going to be another father, God the Father, with his only begotten son who's going to take him up to the same mountain, Mount Moriah, right on the top of Jerusalem there, and he's going to offer his only begotten son whom he loves as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, even though God, Abraham did not have to kill his son, Nobody ever, that was never going to happen. God the Father did offer up his son, who died in our place. And he became the substitute for our sin. So that's where Mount Moriah is. It's the same, right near, right just stone's throw from the place where Jesus himself was crucified. And it's the mosque today. Isn't that cool? The, the Dome of the Rock, right? Isn't, yeah. Yeah, that's the Dome of the Rock, and that's the, mm-hmm. under that, and I've been inside of that, uh, the, the uh, Dome of the Rock. I've been inside mm-hmm. there. And there is a huge rock, and from all tradition, the Jews and everybody say that is the top of Mount Moriah where Abraham offered a son. And it's just a stone's throw away from Calvary where Jesus was. That's, a, that's a beautiful connection, and uh, for any uh, clergy out there, uh, a real good Good Friday homily, by the way. Um, oh, so, yeah. so as we wrap up our time here, Steve Ray is my guest. We're talking about his book, which is not formally out yet. It's a long book. 550 pages. Steve, I was told after my graduates is I wouldn't have to read a book uh, thicker than an inch. So I, I don't know if I can get, I don't know, this is going to, do I get a credit for this? I don't know. But the book is going to be coming out. I'll tell, when, <laughs> I'll tell you what, my wife said it reads like a novel. It's, a, it's kind of like a detective story, a novel of the beginning of God's work in human history. So you, you don't get a credit for it, but you're sure going to enjoy reading it because it, it does read like a, a fascinating novel. Steve, when will it be out and where can we get it? Next year it'll be out. I don't know the date yet, but and it's going to have Genesis something. That'll be the title, Genesis, and it'll be published by Ignatius Press. And we're doing the final editing, and it'll be for sale as soon as it's available on my website and at Ignatius Press. Steve, thanks for being on the show. Our time is coming to an end as we come to 59 minutes past the hour. I wish I could keep you for a longer time, but thanks for uh, being with us. It's always great to catch up with you. And blessings in your continued work. CatholicConvert.com is your, is your website. And uh, I'm just grateful uh, again to, to you for what you do for, for the Catholic Church, Steve. And uh, thanks for uh, being on Real Presence Live again. And thank you for being a priest and all you do for the church. We'll, we'll catch up with you again, Steve, okay? Thank you. God bless. Keep up the good work. All right. Well, that's uh, Steve Ray. Always a great interview. His book on Genesis, we talked about the uh, binding of Isaac, as it's called, the fourth part of his upcoming book. And um, again, that's Steve Ray, and uh, his book will be out. So we're going to take a break. You're right, Mark. Bring that music back. We'll be back in just one moment. <laughs> 